first I like to have people start off with thinking about your power supply. And so, you know, this is sort of like the anxiety scale, like where do you generally run? Is the lowest you get to a three on a really busy day, or is that the highest you get to? It, and it, it's good to know where you are because when I'm working with executives and if they're working, like their high for the day is a five, they're probably not making the best decisions. Same with anxiety, just checking in, like, where's the range? So let's drop in, now that we kind of thought about that for ourselves or the people we work with, let's talk about how glucose affects our brain. So in the morning, when we get up in the morning and we have breakfast, which is typically a bagel or fruit, to, uh, fruit juice or a piece of toast, our, an, uh, a cereal, often it is mostly carbs. In Seattle, some people are hip to this, so, so that's changing, but certainly when I travel across the country, it's more generally a pretty carb-based um, meal. Our blood glucose is going to go up and come back down. There's a hormone called insulin, which is responsible for getting uh, uh, glucose and fats and protein into cells, and it's released when we eat sugar, and so it's going to go up, and, and so it's going to drive glucose into cells, and so the glucose in our bloodstream is going to come down. So that, that's what that arc is. And that generally all happens in about 1.5 to 2 hours. And so when we have just carbohydrates, our brain is well fueled for an hour and a half to 2 hours. And then the brain and then, then the glucose starts to drop to lower and lower levels where our brain doesn't have enough glucose. And what happens is our brain's like, "Wow, this, you know, we have 35 emails that we have to respond to in the next hour uh, and two of them is somebody yelling at me in all caps. What happens is our brain goes, oh my god, there's a bear in a room and sends a, a signal down to our adrenals and adrenaline is released into the system in order to get more glucose to the brain. The reason why we like sugar uh, is because at the top of this peak we get more tryptophan uh, through the blood-brain barrier and it makes serotonin and tells everything that's okay but an hour, a half hour later we're getting this adrenaline hit saying no, 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 run away which is that roller coaster that we go on. So that generally, so that we don't get into that really bad zone, what people tend to do is they just eat sugar a little throughout the day, right? This is how I did medical school. Like, I just made sure that I had a little bit of something every two hours. And that's not atypical, particularly in an office setting where, we're, where it's really important that we have willpower and that we have really are attending to the details of what's happening. So let's talk about what happens when we're like, oh, we're not going to snack every two hours because that's affecting our waistline, and so we're going to just have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and we're going to go four or six hours without eating. So first, the fuel starts to decline to the brain, 
So the adrenaline and some cortisol gets released in order to make glucose. So unfortunately, the only, we cannot, as humans, uh, make glucose out of fat and, well, the glucose goes to the brain and it goes to fat tissue, right? We are going to make the glucose out of protein. And that protein has really only two places that we're going to get it from. We're either going to get it from our diet or we're going to get it from our muscle mass. And if we're getting it from our muscle mass, we're decreasing our metabolic rate and then we're decreasing the amount of calories we can eat in a day. And so uh, as well as decreasing our insulin receptivity, um, that I'm just going to let this play out because it's got ahead of me. I apologize. So let's go back to the muscle mass. So muscle mass uh, is what determines our metabolic rate. And uh, our metabolic rate determines how many calories we eat. And so when people, have, we've all watched friends do quick weight loss programs. I mean, I think we're all in agreement that at least a billion people have done a quick weight loss program. And generally, they gain it back rather quickly and then more. And part of why that happens is because they've actually eaten off their muscle mass. We lose muscle mass before we lose fat mass. And so they've lowered their metabolic rate. And so the number of calories that they need to eat in order to maintain that new weight is lower than it was before they, they lost the weight. I'm, um, I'm a big fan that the thing that determines both physical and mental health is uh, muscle mass and maintaining muscle mass because, one, it prevents diabetes because the muscle mass is always hungry and saying, feed us. But it also, when we move our body, it makes something called brain-derived neurotropic factor. And what this brain fertilizer does, and it's one of many peptides that we're discovering, is that it helps us learn faster. And so by moving our body throughout the day, or not throughout the day, but you know, at least once in the day, and getting some exercise, that is proportional to the amount of brain-derived neurotropic factor. And so it will reduce the amount of exposure to learn something from seven to five. And I don't know about you, but in this world, the one thing that I always need more of is learn, is to learn more quickly new things. Because just recently, Adobe changed my Adobe program, and I have to figure out how to use it because it's not the same. And, and I'm constantly being pressed to learn new stuff. And it is good nutrition and good movement that's going to allow that to happen. The other thing that muscle mass does is it's the only thing that really burns fat mass. And so really protecting our muscle mass from stealing from it because we don't eat enough protein in our diet or because we're doing quick weight loss programs are two things that I'm quite passionate about. Uh, and so, so that's what's happening in the body and this is about the brain. So we're now going to talk a little bit about the brain and, and why this plays in. So you can break the brain up into three parts. There's the, the cortex, which is where our responsive, innovative, problem-solving, and memory come from. 
There's the prefrontal cortex, which is the middle of the brain, which is our executive functioning where attention and emotions and planning and behavior come from. Um, and when there's no adrenaline in the system, all of our senses drop the information into this upper part or this smart part of our brain. When we get adrenaline, and it doesn't matter if it's because there's a bear in the room or because we've gone too long without eating, the adrenaline cuts the sensory input from going to the top part of our brain, drops it into our lizard brain, where the lizard's going to decide what to do about this information by either fleeing, fighting, disappearing, which is, or, or using past behavior in the past. So we either get anxious or we get irritated or we, uh, humans don't freeze uh, unless they're actually under attack, uh, but we do disappear into Facebook, uh, ben and Jerry's ice cream, alcohol, marijuana, um, where we're just shrinking what we want to deal with and it's just this one thing, don't bother me, Facebook is really important. Um, and that's often when our uh, lizard brain is in charge. And then the other thing that we do is we, we use past behaviors as solutions even if they're not helpful. So for instance, um, I, this, one of the stories that I use is I went to a networking meeting, uh, the food, would, the, I'm gluten free, uh, and so, so the only thing I could eat was lettuce and some salad dressing, uh, and then I had to go back to work, and so I worked, and I, was, I could tell I was really hypoglycemic, and, and, I, and I, my upper brain, my cortex was like, we need to go to the grocery store because there is no food in the house. And it said that, and then I got in the car and I drove home. Because that's what the body, the limbic part of the system is like. You get in the car and you drive home. And I get home and I'm like, oh crap. I'm home and there's still no food <laughs> in the house. Um, and th this is particularly true working with alcoholics. I've, I've worked with people who go to the grocery store, they haven't eaten for four or five hours, they buy their groceries, they have a bag of groceries, they get into the house, they're unloading the groceries and there's a bottle of wine. And they never, ever remembered buying it. It just hit, habitually got bought when we weren't thinking about it. And there's a ton of behaviors that we have that we don't think about like brushing our teeth and getting dressed in the morning. Um, and our limbic system will run the show quite well. But this is what happened with the judges. The, ju the reasons why the judges said no right before a meal is because that's the default. Does that make sense to people? Any questions about this slide? It seems to make sense to folks. Okay, okay great. Um, and then it's really hard with the adrenaline to talk to the prefrontal cortex. So what are lizard brain symptoms? Well, being anxious, irritable, and ag agitated. Anticipating being anxious, irritable, or agitated. That's my particular favorite. Not being hungry in the morning or 3 a.m. waking. There, there was somebody in the room who was talking about that. So 
when people, when I'm talking to people about their diets and asking if they eat breakfast, they're like, no, I'm not hungry in the morning. Part of that is because they're already on an adrenaline high. Because it, it didn't make sense in, you know, 5,000 years ago when a bear was chasing us and we have adrenaline in system to be hungry. And in fact, our digestive system gets shut down. And so, so there's a constellation of symptoms that happen in the early morning. Either people have PTSD nightmares or just really crazy nightmares. That's adrenaline because there's this adrenaline in the system and your brain's like, wow, there's a lot of adrenaline. There's this hormone. When was the last time that there was this much adrenaline in the system? It was kind of like this. Okay, let's bring up those files and let's, let's put it on a projector screen so that you can watch it in your dreams, right? Or it just wakes you up. And it wakes you up and the committee's like, oh, there's adrenaline in the system and we got to talk about this and we got to talk about this. And Bo, by the way, remember when she said this and and that was really nasty, and I'm going to say this, and, blah, 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 blah. and you do this whole discussion at 3 a.m., and you're like, please be quiet, go, to, go away. And it usually lasts two hours, and then it kind of fades out, and you go back to sleep right before your alarm goes off. Because it takes about two hours for the adrenaline to make glucose, for the adrenaline to get broken down, and for the brain to get settled back into sleep. Um, and so we'll talk about how, how to problem solve around that in a minute. So I have this, there's this like physiological fix for this problem that we're talking about. And part of what it is is getting protein in your meals. Because when you get a good source of protein, what happens is, is that the blood glucose does not drop as quickly, and so your brain has a good fuel supply for three to four hours instead of two hours. And so basically you've doubled your power supply. Now if somebody is very stressed out or has PTSD or is in a, in a chronically toxic situation, uh, they, they may have to eat every two hours to kind of keep that, keep a level supply of fuel going through their system so that their body's not hitting the adrenaline button for any other reason than actual exter exterior threat. The other reason why we want to get protein in and nutrient-dense foods is because we, this is just how, uh, serotonin and melatonin are synthesized, it, we could do a very similar pathway for dopamine, which is, is really helpful in terms of organizing chaos. But we need tryptophan, which is an amino acid, and some iron and B vitamins, which gets us to 5-HTP, which then gets us to serotonin, which tells our brain that everything's okay. And when our brain thinks everything's okay, then we can get some melatonin and go to sleep. But all of that is dependent upon having the right nutrients available. So I just wanted to walk, walk people through that. We're just going to do a little side thing on trauma because it comes up a lot if you're working with people or supervising people. And you may not know what the particular trauma is, but you will recognize it. And then it's also even more important that people make sure that their brains are well-fueled. So here's this slide we've already talked about in terms of how things break out. 
The difference that happens with a traumatized brain is that when, when adrenaline gets aboard, what happens is that, that the information gets cut off to the cortex and over time the hippocampus, which is our emotional processing center, shrinks. And, and so there, we just have less, literally less bandwidth. And there's more wiring going to the lizard than going up to the cortex. So we're more likely to do past behaviors. When somebody is, particularly if they were raised in a world where there was little trauma, what happens is that they, their self feels safe in the world. The world seems reasonably benign and the future is reasonably hopeful and manageable. And if you're working with people who can't see the future in a reasonably hopeful and manageable way, you should probably think to yourself, well, I wonder what, what the past story is. Because what happens when people experience either overt trauma, physical trauma, uh, over and over again, particularly as a child, or neglect, uh, the self is very vulnerable uh, or can disappear altogether. The world is always threatening and, and they don't trust people or the world to actually do what it says because that's what their experience was as a child. And the, the future is uncontrollable and unpredictable, so why even bother? <laughs>